this is Cinema Roundtable. My name's Jake, and today we got a full house today. It's going to be great. I'm uh, joined by Lexi. Hello. Erica. Great to be back. And Jared. My name, my name is Jared Stab, but for the sake of Halloween, I'll go by Jared Stab today. <laughs> I think that's, that's an appropriate uh, change. <laughs> it's, it is the spooky season right now. It's, we're recording this um, on the 24th of October, so we'll see if we can get it out before, before Halloween. But we figured we'd do kind of a spooktacular episode. We're going to talk about a bunch of different uh, movies to watch around the, the Halloween time. Mostly new, but we're going to take a step into an older one. Um, But tonight, our featured film is the third installment of the David Gordon Green Halloween series, Halloween Ends. Um, We will see if it's truly the end. Probably not. (laughs) They will probably be making these movies forever. As long Um, as the Akkad family is involved, they will keep on making them. And I'm okay with that. Yes. And so uh, let's... Just get into our first movie though. We're talking about which is Barbarian. Erica, why don't you why don't you take the lead on that one? Oh gosh! So I have to say that um, Barbarian is definitely the best horror film I've seen of this autumn season so far. Um, and I've seen a whole bunch in the theater. I've seen Smile. I've seen Pearl. Um, revisit some old favorites at Alamo Draft House, uh, like In the Mouth of Madness, which I adore. Um, but I went into Barbarian without having read any reviews or spoilers, and I definitely won't spoil any major plot points here, um, aside from what you can just observe in the trailer. So basically, two strangers are accidentally uh, booked for the same weekend in an Airbnb property in Detroit, and they don't know each other. They thought they were going to have the house themselves, but there was some kind of online double booking error during the course of their stay, they discover some oddities in the house, including a secret passageway in the basement that leads to some very shady, dungeony areas, including a room that has a bed, a tripod, and um, a bucket. <laughs> so that's like definitely a red flag for at least intelligent characters. And then from there, things get uh, like very disturbing as it re- reaches kind of peak disturbing. Um, the movie cuts away from the two main characters we've gotten to know and then introduces a new character, AJ, who is a Hollywood actor who has just, um, just faced Me Too-type accusations. And that's Justin Long, right? Yes. Okay. And I feel like Justin Long is born to play likable idiots and a-holes. And he's kind of a scream king also. I mean, with Jeepers Creepers and Tusk and Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. I honestly, I didn't even know he was in this movie until like after the movie had come out. Because I had only seen stuff with the two first characters. I I saw was originally written for another big actor that wasn't able to do it. And Justin Long, I believe, stepped in. Oh, okay. But anyway, continue. Mm. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I I saw his name in the credits, and then I forgot that he was even supposed to be in the movie. So when they just cut to his character driving down a California highway in his convertible singing along to some goofy song, I'm like, 
what? What? What happened here? We're not in the <laughs> Detroit dungeon anymore. Right. Was he in, or, <laughs> was he in and, or out of the walrus outfit? Uh, I wish he were in the walrus Spoilers. outfit. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that that would be a spoiler if it were a Tusk uh, like universe tie in. But it's not. Um, so it, it turns out he is the owner of that Detroit Airbnb. He's not even all that familiar with the property himself, but he flies to Detroit basically with the intent of selling that property to cover his legal fees uh, that he's facing with the sexual assault allegations. And this is the point the movie becomes like completely bananas. And I can't say anything else about it. Uh, You definitely have to experience it for yourself. But the second half of the movie becomes surprisingly funny in a very warped way. And the the Justin Long character, initially he's so likable and and he's very insistent uh, that the the accusations against him are false. So it's like part of the film you're wondering is, is this false? Is he or, you know, is he actually guilty of what he's accused of? Is he actually a bad person or is he, in fact, a terrible person? So, like, the viewer is left uh, wondering this type of thing. But so the thing is is that I've been hearing, I've been hearing that it's like, one of the best horror films that people have seen this year. Um, lots of praise, but yeah, nobody is really telling much about what the story is about, which, I mean, I think gets me excited to see the movie that people want to keep it a secret. Yeah. Right, and one thing that surprised me was like a big part of this film was shot in Bulgaria. Oh, interesting. They, they used some oh. distressed neighborhoods in Bulgaria to double for distressed neighborhoods in Detroit. I There was Sad that period... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there Definitely. was that period of time when I feel like Detroit was a really big horror movie uh, yeah. site. Like, like it follows, it follows, it follows yeah. or it follows. Don't breathe. Uh, Only lovers left alive, which is a super. It's a vampire movie, but yeah. all kind of showing how run down Detroit looks now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's interesting that they kind of branched away there to go somewhere else. But I guess, like you said, it probably doesn't speak too well to Detroit. Yeah. Right. I, I guess they did film some scenes in Detroit, but some of the really like dodgy areas were actually in Bulgaria. So when you watch in credits, there's a whole Bulgarian team. There's a Detroit team and an LA team. Okay. Um, It's interesting that you brought up the, the comedy aspect because obviously we talked about Justin Long comedian actor, or he's a comedian, but this is also directed by Zach Krager, who, if you aren't familiar with him, he's a part of the, the comedy troupe, the whitest kids, you know, Oh Oh, yeah, yeah, I forgot. Yeah. Yeah. And so coming from a kind of a, I mean, there's a lot of dark. I know that's a blast from the past right there. Um, Definitely dark humor Mm -hmm. a lot in their stuff. So I guess it's not too surprising. So, yeah, that that, they did the grapist sketch. Yes. Yes, That that one. (laughs) Yeah. The 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 one that I always remember is uh, the true story behind the assassination of Abraham Lincoln. And it's him yelling from the crowd like. Hey, like he's basically being like a disruptive theater patron. <laughs> like and someone. So um, I think also Barbarian, the interesting thing about the time that it was released is now people are giving all of their Airbnb quote unquote horror stories <laughs> just of say, all yeah. the terrible things that are going on in Airbnbs, like finding hidden cameras oh, and man. like all this creepy stuff. And it's like. Yeah, I found a, a hidden serial killer dungeon in the basement. Yeah, <laughs> like I mean, the worst one star review you could possibly get on your property listing. I mean, we, we when we were looking for houses, I feel like there were places that we looked that like 
this is a little bit sketchy. What is this room down in the basement type of thing? <laughs> so it's not hard to imagine that there would be places like that. Um, but so we were just talking about this before, but it it just is it still in theaters right now? Or well, here's the, I mean, yeah. As of this recording, it's about to hit a streamer, HBO Max, on uh, October 25th. So, yeah, my my appetite is more than whetted for this film. Also, for the fact that I've got a Airbnb, I'm going to be at in the future. <laughs> perfect, um, yeah, perfect one. I'm tour. trying to recall if I saw Red Bucket in the pictures. I don't know. Don't think so. Okay, so I think you're probably good. I think so. And it's still you know, maybe it's still we should at check Marcus theaters, him. but just at Lincoln Grand and only uh, okay. nine. PM showing or after 9 PM showing. So there's still a chance. There's going to be a way to see it, whether it's in theaters or at home, if you so choose. Well, Erica, have you seen, I think it was called the rental. Did you see that movie with like Dave Franco? And I don't think I saw that. Well, if you see it or did you see it? I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Well, we'll have to decide which is worse for Mm, Airbnb and vacation rentals. There's also Superhost uh, that was on shutter. I don't think I, I was know that say, one. I, like an annoyingly, that's, a, that's a title I've been hearing ban- bandied about. With, annoyingly uh, upbeat, exclusives. perky female killer in that one. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> so, but I guess that makes sense. Like, we don't have the the Cabin in the Woods style horror movies anymore because everyone is just renting Airbnbs. Yeah. So it's updated for the modern era, basically. Now, I will say to give Airbnbs, you know, a more uh, pleasant uh, review. My wife and I, last month up in South Sioux City, we stayed in Airbnb fashioned after bag end uh, a hobbit hole wow huh. built into the side of the earth just like it circular door you go down and into it so you know what not all airbnbs have to be a horror movie they can be fantasy as well there you so. go so but that's barbarian we're gonna keep it pretty short with that yep, one yep. To, to I, not... I will say that it will be in my top 10 list of movies there i've seen go. this year spoiler alert nice. for the top 10 podcast later this year um but with that We'll move on to our next film, which um, a little bit lighter, I would like to think, probably. And Jared is going to be talking about Hocus Pocus 2. How cynical you are with um, blatant advertising and everything. And I just, you know, I want to say, like, you know. A modern movie with blatant advertising? Dude, let's see. It might as well have been called (laughs) Hocus Pocus 2 brought to you by Walgreens. Is it as as bad as Man of Steel? Uh, level, yeah, I, you know, I've only, I, I can't even remember the you big flushed old, it out of your head. There's like a, a big scene in the, the IHOP. If it's not at the Josie and the Pussycats level of advertising in a but movie, but see, Josie that's and the, the whole point, served though. a purpose. That's yeah. Josie and the Pussycats. Yeah. This, it's just like, let's go spend ten to fifteen minutes in a Walgreens and reference it thereafter multiple times. Perfect. So gotta get yeah. that money. So, apparently, <laughs> Disney doesn't have enough money to just throw it. They have to also get Walgreens money. <laughs> exactly. CVS really unless they out. also own Walgreens That's somehow right. they're probably at this all point connected. they probably, probably do but anyway Hocus would, Pocus too you know it's not like we draw straws here or dole out what each of us is going to be watching so I just came up on the short end of the stick here because <laughs> you should have never got, told us that you I've were got, going to I've got kids you know so these are the, and I have a wife who adores the first one and I understand that there's a whole generation of kids from the early 90s that grew mm-hmm. up with Hocus Pocus that you know, have that nostalgia and fondness for it. That wasn't me. <laughs> I was, I was, I was earnest, scared, stupid over here. Nice. Okay. And that actually did legitimately scare me as a kid. <laughs> but uh, Hocus Pocus was never my thing. I didn't even see the first one until last year when wow. my wife showed it to us and our kids. 
So, you know, watching that movie almost, you know, gosh, like 30 years after the fact, it was like, okay, I get it. And then this one, I'm like, more the same. Fantastic. I, I can't really give much of, of a recommendation other than like my wife who said like the first one's better. So you know what? If you love the first one, you're probably going to like that maybe a little bit more. This did feel more the same to me, but I didn't have an affinity for the first one. Tony Hale is in it. Who, gosh, you know, any Arrested Development alum kind of has like a lifetime ticket for me mm-hmm. um, in whatever they choose to do. So seeing him, he actually, you know, brought a little levity and some of his humor came through there. But uh, yeah, there's just, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 it's not even so worth much like, trying to, say. to break down the logic that, of, you know, their flying instruments that they choose and things like that. So, uh, yeah. So as someone who just or who has semi recently seen the first one in comparison to this. So I see that all of the same witches are back uh-huh. and you got great Doug Jones back as well. Oh yeah, yeah, um, how Butcherson. are those? Yeah, how do they do they hold up? Do they feel like they're Yeah, Be- uh you know, Bette Midler is Bette Midler. I think you know she'll be an icon and a legend, you know, past the way past the day she dies. And she still looks good, as do, you know, the other two uh, actors as well, Sarah Jessica Parker and Kathy... Najimi. Najimi, yeah. Yes. Um, The thing about that I like about that first one is that I feel like they do give all three of those characters opportunities to be funny in different ways and i think their chemistry with one another works pretty well and so i mean obviously i can't imagine a world where they would make a sequel to this and not have all three of the same actresses there yeah um but i mean it's still nice to see them i know that we have not watched it yet but it is on our watch calendar for this month so um there's that and i love doug jones so it's good to see him back as well is there a big music number like in the first one as well inexplicably yes (laughs) okay because that was always the scene that stuck with me is Mm -hmm. the i put a spell on you scene in the first one yeah and so um i mean they they yeah they do their own take on uh kind of a classic rock song which you know it's you really Granted, you're in the world of witchcraft to begin with, so you're suspending a certain amount of disbelief already. But then, when like in your mind, you're like, "How did they know about this song from you know just twenty plus years ago?" You can't think about the logic <laughs> no, behind that no. stuff. So, and that's just you know that's just me. That's where I'm at. But uh, you know, to be fair, I, I have watched other movies that are are good that I, I enjoyed as well. So we'll get to those. Yes. Um. So that's on Disney Plus. I would assume it is. Um. Kind of a lukewarm recommendation, Uh, maybe? Here's the thing. If you like the first one, there's a lot of fan service in this one, and you may come out liking it as well or just sticking with the first. I... I, I'm not necessarily saying I'm going to stick with the first. I think I'm just stuck with these movies in general. <laughs> so just based on who you're married to. Yeah. yeah. And that's Which, fine. Yeah. That's that's the joys of, of yes. marriage, right? It's those things that you right get to now, share with one Right now, I will say uh, my wife is watching for the first time The Monster Squad. Oh, nice. <laughs> okay. I, I wanted to show my kids that, so we're mm-hmm. watching with my kids. Uh, yeah, that thing is a relic of the 80s. I, yeah. Um, in good ways and a good handful of bad ways. Yeah. True, uh, true. So. I feel like 80s movies tend to be the ones that 
age themselves in certain content <laughs> yes. mm-hmm. the easiest, but we don't need to be here relegating our, all that type of stuff. <laughs> we can just move on to our third film tonight, which is going to be My Best Friend's Exorcism. So, Lexi, take it away. Yes, so speaking of the 80s, this film is set in 1988. Um, it's directed by Damon Thomas, who also directed Killing Eve, if you guys have watched the show Killing Eve. Um, I'm a big fan of that show. Um, so what originally even drew me to watch this movie was that it is based on a Grady Hendrix novel, which I read slash listened to a couple of years ago, and I really enjoyed the novel. Um, but it's about two girls, Abby and Gretchen. They're teenagers, high school best friends um, since they were little kids, and they have to figure out how to expel a demon that has taken up residence in Gretchen's body. So Abby is played by Elsie Fisher, who yeah, was... Is this her first movie since, like, eighth grade? No, she was in the Texas Chainsaw remake. Yes. Wow, okay. <laughs> if you remember that one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I rem- don't think anybody was very fond of it. Um, but, yeah, she was... Uh, she starred in Bo Burnham's eighth grade, I think, like, three or four years ago. Yeah, it was just something right? like right that. Yeah. yeah. But, so now she is in high school. But... I thought that the star of the show was Amaya Miller, and she plays Gretchen, the one that's possessed. Um, I just thought that she did a really good job of going from, like, the innocent child. She's, like, a scared little girl in some scenes, and then it's, like, the flip of a switch, and she's just, like, this evil teenager, which I guess is not saying much. Who knows? Like, her direction could have just been, like, play a teen girl as mean as you can. (laughs) Um, But I thought she did a great job. Um, I didn't think the movie was completely great. I thought it was just okay, but it was really fun. Um, I did notice that I I feel like it tried its best to follow suit of like our high nostalgia factor movies that we saw come out this year. So like Senior Year with Rebel Wilson um, or even there was another Amazon Prime show that came out called Paper Girls, if you guys saw that. And that was... A really fun show. Um, First season came out this year. But it's, yeah, just like riddled with nostalgia. Um, But I don't think that it was as effective. I think that they just did some like kind of one-off things in some places with My Best Friend's Exorcism. And so I don't think it was as effective as those other movies that we saw come out this year. Um, But like I said, overall, the story was super fun. Um, Grady Hendrix is a great storyteller. Um, But that being said, it's hard. It was hard for me to distinguish the book from the movie. And so I don't know if I hadn't read the book, if the movie would have felt as complete or like connective. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, overall, I thought it was fun. So I definitely would recommend it if you're looking for something that's like easy, um, just something that's kind of light on story it's pretty like this 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 thing um and if you have time i definitely recommend reading the book mm-hmm. or looking into other grady hendrick no- hendrix novels um particularly final girl support group that one was my oh, favorite one i didn't know that I was hers yeah his, you were talking about his. or his sorry yeah. great <laughs> sorry i was never mind um <laughs> But yeah, I didn't know that that was that that was the same author. Yeah, yeah. and so. also what Southern Book Club's Guide to Vampire Slaying is a really great one too. Yeah, um, and then there's <laughs> another one uh, that's like Sell My Soul or something like that. Oh yeah, we sold our souls. Yeah, it's like about 
a rock band where they literally sold their souls. <laughs> yeah. So, so kind of in the, the horror genre pretty much Definitely. across the board. Yeah, but he writes those like really fun stories. So I got to interview him last year and he is such a, oh, a really? super nice guy. That's and awesome. So, so generous with his time and, and just hilarious too. So yeah, I really like the humor that he ends up putting <laughs> into the stories. And I just think that he's a really fun, great storyteller. Yeah, so, yeah, that's same. awesome. I, I thought, though, that some of the things that were horrific about the novel, My Best Friend's Exorcism, were not very horrific in the film adaptation. Like right. the whole diet shake subplot yes. was a lot scarier and more disturbing in the book yeah. than in the movie. Yeah, there's basically a part, and this isn't really a spoiler, but Gretchen <clears throat> like convinces one of her friends to start drinking these diet shakes because she knows that she's obsessed with losing weight. And it basically contains like, this giant or it contains tapeworm eggs or something so it's she has like this huge monstrous tapeworm living in her body and they're like you're gonna die and she's like oh but i'm so skinny wow <laughs> it's like that reminds me of mean girls but taken to a like lot, the yeah. degree well but isn't that kind of appropriate though for subject matter like this where it's like it's about high school kids but mm. it's also a horror movie type <laughs> yes. of thing yeah lends um, itself pretty well well hopefully if this, I mean, I don't know if people are enjoying this or if it's being watched, but that this leads it's about, to more out of fifty percent of Rotten Tomatoes. So I think it's getting some mixed reviews, mm-hmm. which is fine. But, I mean, horror films can kind of be oh, up yeah. in the air all the time, but hopefully this means more adaptations, though. Hopefully, if, if the other source, or if the other is so, is this where does this book fall in his? Uh, bibliography like what is your favorite is so final girls club yeah final girl support group was my favorite one that i've read so far okay and then and then it was probably this one and then that one so how many have you read um i've read a lot of them now he also did one called horror store that was sort of like a haunted ikea uh warehouse nice um i think my favorite is the what southern book club's guide to vampire slaying if i'm remembering the title correctly like that one even though it it lifts a lot of the plot elements from Dracula and then puts it in a modern setting in the Deep South, nice. um, there's there's still so much like fresh and original content, and also a lot of really heartbreaking content, and then stuff like some gaslighting scenes that will just make you so angry. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't want to spoil anything, but definitely check that book out. It's it was a phenomenal book. So it looks like it's there's a plethora of material to be adapted for for movies mm-hmm. and or TV shows or something like that. Um, what is what is this on? Um, that's a great. Uh, question. I saw it on Amazon Prime. On Amazon yeah, Prime. I think it's on Amazon Prime. All right. Yes. Well, <clears throat> if it sounds interesting, and you have Amazon Prime, go ahead and watch. It sounds like we've got varying degrees of of uh, recommendations across the board but but recommendations nonetheless um, but that will bring us to our our next film which I will be talking about and Lexi and have you have you seen this no yet? no no, no. Oh, you said this okay movies, I mean off uh, off mic I gave you guys a rundown of like all these horror movies I can't wait to see and we're sitting here and you all get to talk about it <laughs> I'm watching Hocus Pocus too. It's it's fine. You're you're covering a completely different <laughs> section that we that is very appreciated. But the one that I will be talking about is the the Ty West follow up to X, which is Pearl, which is basically just an origin story for the titular character Pearl, who serves as kind of the main antagonist to to X. Um, 
I would this this takes place or this takes place in like early early 20th century probably I guess if the the if um X takes place in the 70s then they would have to be the early like the the yes world war one era and (laughs) the and basically just how pearl becomes the person that you that you meet in x um this movie has a lot of visual flair in it lots of golden age of hollywood style filmmaking very reminiscent of like the wizard of oz and Mm -hmm. a lot of the there's a lot of like fun transitions that are very um very reminiscent of films from that era. Like there's like some wipe ones and, and stuff like that. A lot of the title screens use a lot of those, those, um, those fonts and those things of that nature. Um, I'll, I'll be honest. The fir- when we got out of the, the movie, I was a little bit lukewarm on it just because I didn't feel like it added a ton to what we already knew from from X, but the more that I sat with it, the more it kind of stuck with me. Jake, we're spoiled this year. Ty West is giving us two movies. I know it's it's crazy. We are we we are planning on watching the Innkeepers later. Are oh nice potentially tonight. We'll we'll see where what we decide to <laughs> we decide to watch. But I've always been impressed with with his stuff in general. I, I like that. I like the Sacrament. Um, House of the Devil. House of the mm-hmm. Devil. Um, lots of good, good stuff. A lot of creativity, but still within kind of the genres that we're familiar with. And um, but l- like I was saying, this this film kind of stuck with me, and I think that's mainly because of Mia Goth's performance. Mm-hmm. She is so like it, it. It feels like a a role that she was born to play. She is so. She just goes for it in every single aspect, and just the there's a there's a scene with a scarecrow that sticks with me um, that just really shows her her determination to really give this character life and the relationships that she has with her with her overbearing mother as well as her father who is basically in a vegetative state for the most part and kind of her wanting to become a star, which we kind of which is yeah, essentially the X. the plot yeah. in X. Um, but her being kind of worn down by an overbearing uh, mom, but and also feeling like she needs to stay to keep uh, taking care of her father and kind of reaching out to whoever she can find, whether it be a projectionist from the local movie theater or her cousin, or it's not her cousin, it's her sister-in-law correct Mm -hmm. yeah while her husband is away at war i think is what it is and and just her kind of having these aspirations for for stardom but also consistently having mental issues that seep into her everyday life um but erica did you have anything that you wanted to share about this yeah i had a ton of fun with this movie and uh yeah like it did seem like there were things about her personality the kind of screen borderline personality to me <laughs> yeah you also have to think that this is given the time period they people probably weren't looking out for these things as often and so you could maybe get away with being a little off and they'd be like oh she's just a little off we don't need to worry about it <laughs> right did you notice the little teaser at the end of the end credits or did yeah, you i was gonna say did i hear right that they're ty west is like i'm gonna make this a trilogy or something. yes it, it looks like it's it's gonna be set uh, in the 80s and it's yeah. called maxine maxine with three x's, x's. Yeah. yes um which is going to follow 
the character that got a ah yeah. spoilers yeah. sorry um but just a continuation it's his, in his the, Mia Goth trilogy his Mia Goth trilogy is what we'll say yes um but I but think yeah my favorite thing about this movie so Jake and I actually saw this movie at the drive-ins oh how fun which Ooh, added a whole other good. element mm-hmm. yeah so it was very fun to see it in that format yeah given given the way it's presented and the way that. Um, it has this old school feel and then being at a drive in and sure. watching it was just awesome. I will say that we did get a little distracted because Barbarian was actually playing on the screen right next to it. Oh, okay. And wow, that would so be So you saw parts of it. And so sure did. We saw about the first twenty could minutes. Could you have like switched stations or something? Yeah. yeah. So the the move so Pearl started like twenty minutes afterwards. And so Lexi found the station because they give you what station it's supposed uh-huh. to be on. Because there's what six yeah. screens probably at this mm. one. This was in Las Vegas, um, and we were just watching the first like 15, 20 minutes of Barbarian. But we didn't get into nothing crazy <laughs> happened by the time we switched over to Pearl. I did. It was on my side of the car, so I did see the end and the end credits start rolling <laughs> that's, so uh, that's kind of a bummer but i still yeah. am interested in seeing barbarian and i didn't tell jake what i saw <laughs> that that being said we were captive like i was still engaged with pearl oh, yeah, i wasn't getting sure. getting pulled away um what were some other thoughts you had lexi about it um i think that i kind of was the same way i think when it ended i was like okay what a, what is <laughs> What did we just watch and why? Like, <laughs> why? <laughs> yeah, why? Because Ty what West did we watch can. and why did we? Why not? Yeah, but I totally agree. I think Mia Goth was great, and I think my favorite part of the movie was the very end shot. The very all two yeah. minutes oh. of it <laughs> that, that just goes on and on. Yeah. And gets more and more uncomfortable. Have you heard about the end? The the end shot? No, guys. I'm just over here thinking about DC League of Super Pets, which I just watched with my family. Well, you I should didn't get tell to watch us about Pearl. that. Dang it. <laughs> yeah, um, but. I, I feel like that was something that I've been hearing a lot of stuff on the internet about people talking about the the final shot. Which, Jared, you just need to watch it. I yeah, I'm going to. Uh, <laughs> just like uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I, I'm hearing all these things. I hear she's got like this killer monologue, this scene that oh, oh, yeah. just destroys. Yeah. I'm hearing quotes from like Martin Scorsese saying he couldn't like not keep watching this movie. And, and so, and that's just all. That's all performance. Yeah. It's 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 crazy because the the movie definitely has some shocking things that I haven't seen in other movies. But it, you are pulled in because of how good Mia Goth is. Even though there are some conventional <laughs> plotting things, she just like I don't even know how to describe. It. She's she's so good in it, and I'm looking forward to her in the third in the third Ty West film. Um, but I don't really want to go into any more without spoiling anything. Yeah, it's, it's hard to without spoiling it. Um, and so we'll, maybe we'll just leave it there right now. This is how it was just in theaters. I don't know what the plan is for streaming. I assume it's, uh, it's coming rent out it. as far as like probably VOD and you know, yeah. like, hey, if you want to support dying physical media, I think it'll hit Redbox early November. So yeah. And I, I mean, Lexi and I are fans of the Redbox, So um, the red box where we got the movie little. at the red box. <laughs> no, it's just uh, on down. Just grab it from the red box. They're just at the yeah. grocery store, picking some up some groceries at the market. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So I mean, move from the red box there. <laughs> <laughs> so I think um, of the ones that have seen it, we would all recommend it, mm-hmm. um, especially if you've seen X and you're mm-hmm. looking forward to seeing Maxine. Um, and we'll stop shaming Jared for not seeing it yet. <laughs> um, 
But speaking of Jared, we're going to kick it back to him. We're doing a little a little bit of a different thing where I guess Jared, you've done this a couple times where you've talked about some older stuff as well. Oh, sure. But the the our since our featured film is Halloween Ends, which is um, obviously a part of the Halloween franchise, the with uh, Wes Craven, uh, Jared is going to talk about Wes Craven's is it his final? No, 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 no. It was re- Scream Four is technically his final oh, okay. film, but uh, the one that preceded that is 2010's My Soul to Take. But yeah, like you set it up there, Jake, I'm just kind of curious because, yeah, we're in the month of October here. It's such a great excuse to just, you know, like pull off your some of your favorites off the shelf or, you know, cue them up on your TV, however you do it. So I'm just kind of curious uh, what everybody's traditions are here or what you try to, like, always watch or revisit, things like that. So, yeah, I always like to go back and catch some, uh, some you know, overlooked movies possibly from some of the uh, masters of horror and things like that. So I watched My Soul to Take, and that thing kind of took my soul away from me for a couple of hours. <laughs> so it did what it was it was supposed to do, right? Yeah, sure, sure. It lived up to the title. I'll say, I'll say this. Um, I think it would actually be a pretty fascinating double feature with another Craven film, uh, Shocker from 1989, Oof. as far as not saying either one are necessarily good, but if you want to keep the theme of like killers who die and then come back somehow illogically to kill again, 20 years apart, uh, and, uh, you know, maybe both inventive, if not good. So uh, you, you could go down that road if you so cho- chose to. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, Craven, he's obviously established himself pretty well with, like, Scream and Nightmare on Elm Street as far as, like, doing horror movies with, you know, like a teenage cast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my soul to take. It's easy to see why this did not land at all. Um this, this, this story's a mess. The kids aren't great. The vibe just isn't there. <laughs> so the less said about it, probably the better. But I do. I like watching that. I went back and revisited the uh, – uh, it actually wasn't even revisiting. It was visiting for the first time the original Piranha, Joe Dante's Piranha. Uh, and that, you know, I've listened to uh, – I don't know. Do any of you guys listen to Quentin Tarantino's podcast, The Video Archives, with Roger Avery? No, I haven't. I've listened to some episodes. Okay, yeah. I listened I listened to every single episode, so they had a whole episode on Piranha. And, you know, uh, Tarantino being, like, not a, just, like, a cinephile, but just, like, a true film historian knows so much about each of the movies they discuss on there. And so he went, you know, kind of deep into the production and what it took for Joe Dante to kind of, like, get this movie made gave me a good appreciation just going into it and watching it. So I, I had a lot of fun with Piranha. It's, you know, it's got Dick Miller in there who Joe Dante would, uh, you know, recast from time uh, to time with future movies. And so, yeah, I would recommend that. Also, yeah, just recommend Tarantino's podcast. He's out there just talking about movies, the video archives. So, I mean, if there's if there's one person that can talk about movies – yeah. For about as long as anyone, it's it's Tarantino. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see him and like Edgar Wright or someone like that have like a movie off or something. Well, and you know, and the, they the latest episode or one of the latest, depending on when you uh, listen to this, is uh, him and Roger Avery joined by Eli Roth going through like they're going through uh, American Giallo films right oh, now. Oh, nice. so cool. It's 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 cool. Did they talk about Malignant? 
Uh, no, no. Okay. <laughs> they they went back a little further. Uh, they uh, talked about Brian De Palma's Dress to Kill. Yeah, okay. So. That, that makes sense. We actually watched uh, Cabin Fever the other night. Um, <laughs> that movie has not aged very well either. I love that movie, though. Yeah, I mean, it's a great, yeah. Eli Roth's, uh, uh, his directorial debut, it, it definitely is of the time, but it's, it's a pretty fun movie. Did you like it? Yeah. You never, you had never seen it before, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely an experience. It's definitely a throw everything at the wall and see what sticks type of movie, but that's fun in the horror genre. So, and I, you know. I'm just curious because I always try to like watch a few Friday the 13th, some Halloweens. What about the rest of you? What do you all try to do for the month of Halloween? So with for Jake and I, and I guess I'll let him talk a little bit more about this, but every year he puts together like a scary movie a day calendar. Oh, my gosh. A curated so, list. That's incredible. Yes. So, yeah. So so basically I w- there's obviously a bunch of horror movies that I love and I would watch all the time. But I feel like when I, if I were to just make a list, I would probably just end up putting a lot of the same ones on there. Mm. So it's kind of a, a way to, to challenge myself and to do kind of a horror history. I take uh, only anniversary movies. Mm. Um, so I take the 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 digit or the the last digit of the year. So. Um, 2022, and I watch only movies that end in the in the digit two. So so 2012, 2002, 92. Uh, we watched um, uh, we watched four movies yesterday actually, but we watched wow. White Zombie from 1932 um, last night. And so we I try to span it as much as we possibly can. And and with that, you get a nice variety of of different horror classics and stuff like that, like. Nosferatu is 1912, mm. so we have that we're looking up to, and it gives you an opportunity to kind of Was revisit some things you Bram haven't seen Stoker's in a long Dracula, time. Bram Stoker's Dracula, 1992? I think so. Um, it, I'm not sure. It's Since not on my calendar, so... What? The the Keanu Reeves, the uh-huh. Francis, Ford, or Francis Ford Coppola. Yes, it is, yep, 1992. Oh my goodness, missed opportunity, yeah. I guess. I was just but gonna... yeah, getting to do that calendar, it's kind of fun because there are so many movies scary movies that I haven't seen. Mm. I didn't grow up watching a lot of scary movies. That was definitely like a later in my life type of thing. Didn't really start till Mm -hmm. like mid twenties when I started watching a lot of scary movies, probably early to mid twenties. And so it's really fun to go back and see all these like cult classic movies that I just completely missed. So like cabin fever, I just saw Mm. for the first time the other day and just, just a lot, really of, a lot of and next yeah. year will be the anniversary of that one for you. So uh, yeah, okay. So <laughs> I'll get it on there. I, I have already started planning my calendar for next year because it's just fun. It's so nice. much fun to I put together. I feel like yeah, you should this uh, when you like you release this episode or something. You should also like include this this incredible list of yours. Yeah, I, I can. If you're if you're friends with me on Facebook, I re- I released it at the beginning of the month, but. <sighs> But this would be good pod content Mm -hmm. also. Um, But, yeah, uh, Erica, I know you watch horror movies constantly. What month isn't Halloween for you, I know, yeah. So um, I do try to watch a a film a day, but preferably ones that I haven't seen. So it would be a combination of brand-new releases and then some older ones that I overlooked. Um, I did get to go to Alamo Draft House and revisit both Halloween 3 and In the Mouth of Madness in the past month. So that was a lot of fun. I am a huge, huge fan of In the Mouth of Madness. It's my favorite John Carpenter film. 
Uh, that's a controversial Bold. statement. Wait sure. until wait until you hear my opinion about the other <laughs> Halloween movies, including the original. Uh, <laughs> we'll get into Man, that one. In the Mouth of Madness, back when like Sam Neill was like poised to take Harrison Ford's mantle. Oh yeah, yeah, and, and he was good at playing really crazy characters. And too. then he did <laughs> Memoirs of an Invisible Man, and then it was all downhill from there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's also that's Craven, true. isn't it? Or, wait, no, no, that's, that's, that's Carpenter. Carpenter. I mean, that's Chevy Chase. Yes. Uh, but yeah, my other uh, kind of Halloween time tradition is I will revisit horror novels that I really love, but I just you know don't always have time to sit down and like read them or listen to them on Audible. So I've been grinding through the Brian Lum- Lumley Necroscope series. Also revisited Nick Cutter's The Troop, and if you like body horror and like that's just extremely disgusting, check that book out. You won't be disappointed. All right. I mean, that's oh. a, a different. I mean, when you watch as many horror films as you do, you got to mix it up a little bit, it's right? True. Yeah. <laughs> you got to turn to literature instead. Well, we since we already started talking about uh, John Carpenter, I think we should just get right into our featured film tonight, which is Halloween Ends. So this is question mark Halloween Ends. Um, <laughs> so. It's funny because the the IMDb description of it is the saga of Michael Myers and Laurie Strode comes to a spine chilling climax in this final installment of this trilogy. One, does that is that the most generic Halloween description you could have and also Also a terrible representation of Mm -hmm. what this film is? Um, I would say so the other description that I have for this is this film revolves around Corey Cunningham, a young man who falls in love with Laurie Strode's granddaughter while a series of events, including crossing paths with Michael Myers upends his life and renders him or renders him a murderous outcast. Corey Campbell's a series of unfortunate events. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But yeah, this is the third film in the David Gordon Green series who actually I just found out is also rebooting Exorcist, Exorcist. which I think gives someone else a reason or give another franchise. Yeah, but anyway, on that. Um, this stars Jamie Lee Curtis per usual. Uh, is it Andy Maddox? Chan? Oh, how to say the yeah, his, yeah, is yeah. her uh, granddaughter, oh, yeah, and then I'll let you butcher that. Yes, and then Ronan Campbell, who is the who plays Corey Cunningham. Um, where do you even start with this film? Um, this is it's kind of a Halloween movie. <sighs> it's Halloween adjacent. Yeah, it is Halloween adjacent <laughs> is is what I would say. This is more than Halloween three. Less. Season of- Although <laughs> I feel like with those opening credits, he used the same font and the um, same font color as Halloween three, a season of the witch, which yeah. might be a clue that he's going to deviate from the franchise formula in a way that's yeah. going to anger people. So <laughs> what I'll say with that is when I was watching this, I was kind of like, what is happening here? Like, what is this? What is what is this supposed to be? And I think I had I had a, a lot of issues with it in my initial uh, going through. Like, I thought some of the like the townspeople were very strange. I thought that the romance was very rushed. I hated all of the art, like all of the footage from previous movies that they show. I I just hate that type of stuff in films mm. in general. Um, but then the more I thought about it and I kind of saw that whole kind of we're going to go in a different direction, I was like, oh, this is kind of interesting. This shouldn't be the third film in this series. I think that's ultimately kind of the the, the biggest issue I had with it is it, it felt like there's a cool concept here mm-hmm. that they had to shoehorn into a Michael Myers, Laurie Strode 
Halloween film. I don't know if it was shoehorned in really when it, where I've heard David Gordon Green start talking about it either. It, I think it's, uh, you know, it, it as far as like, I think what fans expected and definitely what marketing has been selling us yeah. for the last four years, essentially, is this final showdown between Michael and Lori. You know the staples of the franchise. Yeah, and I think the marketing is the thing that is the thing that ruined a lot of this movie mm-hmm. for me. Just because I, I think, as I said, I think there's a, an interesting concept, and we can get more into it when we get into the spoiler section. But it felt like it was kind of almost a little t- or like too late for me type of thing in the series. I, I am interested now that I've let it digest to kind of watch it again which is saying something because after i finished halloween kills i was like i don't never never need to watch this movie ever again where i'm a little bit more Halloween kills again i I just it was so goofy to me in not a good way but did you watch the extended version no i didn't watch the extended version well maybe i'll have to revisit it but i'm just gonna leave my thoughts at that for now if evil died that night well there's halloween (laughs) end so obviously evil didn't die that night so um i'll leave all my remarks until or future remarks until the the spoiler section Um, so a couple things uh, that I find interesting, and there was an article that was published yesterday on TVLine.com. So they do talk about the choice to use the same blue credits font as Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, um, to make more of a direct nod to a non-Michael <laughs> uh, project. Does that article go into David Gordon Green's alternate ending? It does. Yeah. Oh my goodness! Oh, I didn't. He, an alternate I, I don't, ending I don't for this think, film. Or, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I don't think it got one. filmed, but he wrote it. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, okay. okay. He also is quoted in this article saying that he <sighs> that the idea to never they never once considered making a Lori and Michael movie for this movie, and the concept <laughs> yep. that it should be a final showdown never even crossed their minds Yeah, and that I, I've, he set I've got out that, to make a love story. I've got that in my notes as well. And yeah. That's know, the biggest issue with the movie, it, in my opinion. And, you know, it's not like I want to, like, rain down fire on that in any way necessarily. I think it's, you know, David Gordon Green as a filmmaker, you know, pretty darn talented guy. I had the uh, pleasure of, like, sitting in an audience with him when he brought one of his first movies called Undertow to my college. And listening, listening to him talk, you know, look at all these people getting to be around the people that we're talking about. Uh, he might have also uh, uh, slighted Kevin Smith on stage at that time as well for uh, taking independent cinema down a, a low and dirty path. Anyways, the the thing is, is Kevin like, okay. Smith opinions aside. Yes, yes, I don't know. We we Kevin's, already talked about Tusk earlier. I was say, so Kevin Smith has been in the peripherals of this whole conversation a yes. little bit. But so David Gordon Green is a filmmaker. I mean, the guy has shown he can do quite a bit in different genres. What the, his Halloween trilogy reminds me of is when he kind of like hit it with comedies in the late aughts with Pineapple Express. His next two movies after that were comedies as well, studio comedies, just like he's doing three kind of studio horror movies here. And each one was kind of like to a lesser degree. He followed uh, Pineapple Express up with Your Highness, 
and then the Jonah Hill movie, The Sitter. Those were both actually released in the same year, and it's which just, is fine. The Sitter is yeah. fine. And Your it, Highness it, is not good though. Dude, that trailer, I thought I was gonna be. I, w- I was in the midst of a classic, and then I watched the actual movie, and I was like, "What happened?" Oh, no. <laughs> so, anyways, there's a part of me that just wonders if like he kind of gets bored a little bit. And as a filmmaker, I think he's got a lot of reverence and respect for the franchise and he's a fan, but as a filmmaker, he made Halloween and Halloween kills. I just, you know, I don't know how interested he was just to kind of do the same old, same old again. And it sounds like John Carpenter. Yeah. (laughs) So if he's got this playground, uh, where he can explore other things, he's going to go for it. And man, yeah. With a franchise like Halloween, that is, that's a bold move, That's a bold move. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have to say that, well, first, I am delighted to be here and discuss what has to be my least anticipated film of 2022 with you all. <laughs> so you're su- you were super happy when Jared and I were just like, we're talking about Halloween ends yeah, in the last exactly. podcast. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, oh, dang it, that means I have to watch Halloween Kills, and then I have to get caught up. Uh, <laughs> hey, you said you watched it more than once, I so did. that's so on this you. Is, this is the twist, though. Um, I liked this movie, and I did not think I would. And I also like Halloween Kills, the extended cut. I don't know about the theatrical one, which I've mostly heard negative things about. Um, but yeah, I didn't think I would like it. I think the reason I like it is because it doesn't feel like a Halloween movie. Like, I do not like the original Halloween. I think it's one dun, of John dun, Carpenter's dun. weakest films. This is an unpopular opinion. Uh, <laughs> I think I think the original Halloween is a good movie. It doesn't I struggle with a lot of 80s style or like slasher style horror films in general. Well, let's not forget we're in the 70s with the original Halloween. I guess Uh 78, but (laughs) but it definitely has that same feel as those in. It set the archetype. It it did. Um, Well, I mean, people throw in. Texas Chainsaw, and that's 1973, I think. So, like, go Psycho. So, so. well, there you go. So, that more, I don't want to say modern, but the the 80s sensibility of the slasher film. Mm -hmm. Um, But no, I know what you mean by that. Yeah. With that, with the original Halloween, I feel like, okay, the soundtrack (laughs) is iconic, um, super creepy. John Carpenter's direction is great. It has a certain Hitchcockian flair in that original film. But the story itself is so dumb and the characters are paper thin. Like, I know a lot of people love this movie and worship it. I'm not one of them. Um, I was actually happy to see Halloween 3 Season of the Witch because it did not have Michael Myers in it. Like, yeah, this goes in a different direction. This to is be good. Fair, he pops up on a TV screen in a bar. But <laughs> That's true. That's true. It's like the slight nod yeah, to yeah. the original. Well, you got to. Yeah, honestly, I think I'm kind of with Erica here. I I enjoyed this movie. I think overall, because like Jake said, I also am not like a huge fan of slasher movies. I didn't like the last Halloween movie because it was just like, oh, I'm going to go into this house and kill this person. And I'm going to go into this house and kill this person. It was just like, how many people can he kill on his journey to wherever he's going? Mm -hmm. But this movie. It lives up to the title, right? It's called Halloween Kills. That's true. (laughs) That's fair. Um, Halloween itself doesn't kill, though. I know. This has been kind of an interesting naming title. It is a weird title. It's fine. But anyway. But yeah, and so I think I enjoyed this one a lot more than other Halloween movies that I've seen. And I think there is going to be love for Halloween ends out there. Uh, it's just, it's so hard where you've got this franchise that just steamrolls kind of with this formula that mm-hmm. yeah. a lot of other uh, franchises have aped. So yeah. yeah but, I sorry, think that's, I did not mean to No, that's, 
that's, I think, exactly where I was going. I think I liked the movie, but in the scope of it being the end of, like, this series, I don't think that this is, like, the best choice that they probably could have made in the direction that they decided to go. That, yeah, that's the whole situation that I'm sitting in right now, too. I think I've grown to to enjoy aspects of this film a lot more, like, in retrospect, but... But like in the grand scheme of this particular series, it seems to to be a little bit like weirdly structured, in my opinion. Um, did we want to say anything else before we just get right into spoilers? Um, you know, I, I it touched upon it a little last year because, you know, we had Halloween Kills and I talked about my love for the franchise in general. And so just to just to kind of like reiterate, but because again, like I've got positive things to say about this. I, I I have a hard time dealing with the story we got, but the Halloween franchise is so it's it's so incredible in how crazy it is. It's literally a choose your own adventure franchise. Yeah. <laughs> you can get to the end of the first one and be like, do you want to see what happens next? And you could say, like, yes, let's see how the night continues. Okay, proceed to chapter two. Mm-hmm. Do you want to be done with Mike Myers? Sure. Let's go to chapter three, season of the witch. Would you like to uh, pick up uh, where these characters leave off 40 years later? All right, go to chapter 11. Do you want to see the same story told again, but told in a grittier way? Go to the Rob Zombie. (laughs) Exactly. Alternate universe. Do you want alternate universe? (laughs) Do you want to see Lori have a son? Go to H2O. Do you want to see her have a Paul Rudd? Yeah, go to Halloween (laughs) 6. Do you want to see Buster Rhymes? (laughs) Exactly. Do you want to see Lori killed off camera? Go to chapter 4. Do you want to see her killed on camera? Go to Resurrection. See, so much for everybody. (laughs) It's just, it goes in so many wild directions. I mean, they even bring in, yeah, like, um, you know, the, the curse of Michael Myers and they start down this path in like Halloween five, the revenge where it's like uh, these ancient runes and things like that. It just, it goes bananas in several <laughs> ways and several times over, but I still, you know, I have a soft spot for every entry in mm-hmm. this franchise, including this one for all the faults I have with it. Mm-hmm. But I understand other people won't have those faults yeah. because it's not a typical Halloween movie for the most part. This yeah. movie was your Hocus Pocus too. <laughs> oh, guys, I'm just like kind of striking out left and right here. I'm waiting for Barbarian tomorrow. There you go. It'll be great. I, still, I also would love to see you put that timeline into like PowerPoint format where oh it's God. like, oh, yeah, yeah. Sure. go to this slide yeah. for oh, this that's timeline. Great. That's like clickbait <laughs> article. Like one of those decision trees. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great it way to describe just, it. I never thought about it like that. It but. goes down so many avenues and then it just almost every single movie cancels the previous one out mm-hmm. almost in some way so are they related are they not related right. who's is- dead who's alive what year is it yeah. all these different things <laughs> so. um i think we should just get into it though um so let's listen to the bumper and then we'll get into spoilers could it really be that simple the secret lies with charlotte open the pod bay doors hell i'm sorry dave I'm afraid I can't do that. Aren't you asking us to accept a pretty incredible coincidence? I'm just saying a coincidence is possible. And I say it's not possible. Those keys, Rose. You know I can't give you the keys, right, babe? Silent breathe is people! Greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. And like that, he's gone. And we're back with a spoiler section for, for Halloween Ends. I mean, is what is the biggest spoiler? Is it that Michael dies? 
Or that he's barely in it. Yeah, or that he's barely I, in I it. I think that is a spoiler, if anything, because, you know. And we were kind of alluding to it, though, I feel like. Like, like the, the way this movie starts off, right from the bat, David Gordon Green is like, this is what I'm doing. And it is, I actually think that I like that start a mm-hmm. lot. It is shocking. It's off-putting. <laughs> and it's, uh, it, it just... It basically says anything's on the table here. Mm-hmm. Can we all agree that that kid was actually the worst? Yeah, Dude, he like turned on a dime. It's on not very too. sympathetic. Yeah, well, the, yeah, because the mom is like, I was oh, like, yeah, he's yeah. been what wedding is bad or something like that. Started and then they some sympathy for this poor kid. And then they cut and doesn't is it the thing or what are they they're watching? watching yeah, yeah they're watching the thing, the thing, which is you know one of the most graphic it's like a meta versus meta commentary <laughs> because it's like okay, yeah the. Thing it's directed Carpenter by Carpenter. Carpenter. Yeah. In the original Halloween, they're watching the thing from outer space. Yes. Which, uh, yeah, anyways. So, yeah, the opening scene is 2019. It's a year after Michael has come back and rampaged through the town of Haddonfield. We meet Corey riding his bike up to uh, the residence of where he's going to babysit this kid for the night. And he's. Which I think the is the original called the. The babysitter murders, yeah, the isn't that the original? Murders, so yes, it's it's yeah. pretty fitting that the first scene is about a babysitter as well. Babysitter so. murderer. There we go. <laughs> so, well, that makes it sound like the babysitter was murdered. A murderer. The, no, no, no. Babysitter. He's the baby. He's a murderer who's a babysitter who is right? also yeah. yes. Yeah. Yes. Right? yes. We'll anyway, this. so yeah, and that is another thing that I have a big old plus for when it comes to David Gordon Green. The way he stages like the kills, they often happen in the foreground. But a little bit like out of frame, but equally effective. It's not like you gotta like stare directly at the gore, although sometimes he does not shy away from that. But you see, yeah, Corey, he gets tricked by this little kid to make it think like he's disappeared, somebody's broken in the house, Michael Myers has returned, gets led upstairs and trapped in the attic, like three or four floors above. Anyways, the kid has locked him in there. He's laughing at him. Corey's like trying to like bust his way out. Of course, the parents come home, you know, like. All of the all of like scream or something like that right before mm-hmm. Corey busts out and is shouting like you know I'm gonna murder you mm-hmm. <laughs> kicks the door open sends the kid over the edge of the balcony and that kid just falls right in front of us right in front of his parents and you see like like his head just like whiplash mm-hmm. like right up through the bottom of the frame as it just like snaps and the kid is done <laughs> and it's like and that's the first scene of yeah, the movie that is the first scene. I mean, the scene starts with Corey telling the parents, like, it's Halloween night. We're going to have a good time. And <laughs> it ends with him getting put into a cop car saying it was an accident. Mm-hmm. So, and, and, and that's something that, I mean, I, when, we, when we were watching this film, I, I was confused a little bit about that, that, Co- that Corey character because it is so, we, we don't know who this character is. He's not alluded to in any of the other films, which is kind of interesting given the fact that the townspeople never spare a moment to talk about how much of a monster he is. Um, and he hasn't Dude, been mentioned. Field is a toxic, toxic. It place. is. And, and why they, is anybody still living in? I don't know. Field? It's yeah. the same reason why. <laughs> like why does anyone City, live in like, Derry? Everybody yeah, needs like, to get out of Derry. Everyone needs to get out Corey, of Gotham City. Most of all, yeah. like yeah, he you know does not you know he's not in jail. So I don't know why he's sticking around because we jump. His family lives we, there. I don't know. Maybe yeah, he's with an overbearing mother who you know we'll meet later and she'll meet her end later. But it's three years later after that. From 2019 mm-hmm. to 2022. Yeah. And so 
basically he he has all of these these kind of uh, interactions with different townspeople, which are always negative because they, they always, always see him as as kind of this monster who murdered this child. And then that's when um, Laurie Strode's granddaughter comes into the picture, and they have this kind of budding romance, which in my opinion seemed to move quicker than I was expecting it to, which made it a little bit weird. It was kind of baby driver-ish where it's like they kind of meet and fall in love and they're ready to run away with one another. I mean, not only that, I mean, we're, we're talking like the, the grand scheme of like, uh, you know, lovers on the road, leaving a rampage behind them sort of a thing. Like, you know, uh, Badlands, like natural born killers. That's kind of like the direction Mm -hmm. I thought we were going to go in a little bit. And again, interesting, Mm -hmm. but, um, Gosh darn it, yeah. I'm just uh that's that's not the movie I'm yeah, like, yeah. there for. And I, I guess you can you can look at it with the with the whole like this is a town that's kind of looked that's kind of looked down on both of them to a certain extent. I mean, the Strode family doesn't really have a high approval rating either because Lori was the one that brought him back to the town and obsession with her. And she misses out on a promotion at work because the the coworker is sleeping with the dentist dentist yeah um, no he's like doctor? A doctor. doctor doctor he's a doctor yeah. not a dentist he's gonna say yeah he's trying to stitch up uh, Corey's that's hand, right he's stitching feet, the hands yeah. yes um, and so like you could look at it like she is also like fed up with everyone too I I, I did think it was a little bit interesting when Lori um, walks out of the grocery store and the is neighbor and is like what are you laughing about or something? I was like, can Lori just have a nice day? Like, right. is this what every interaction <laughs> Again, is like with her? What is Lori still doing in Haddonfield? Yeah, that's another yeah, thing. That is a good question. Like I was really happy to see so much of the film just being about her, like trying to have a normal life and just doing normal human yeah, stuff, sure. like baking Writing cookies her book and, and hanging out with her granddaughter. And, but it's like, I would want to just move to a different city. Yeah. Yep. She doesn't yeah, have the murder house anymore. Want to see Lori live in a different city? Turn to Chapter 7, H2O. There you go. <laughs> You'll see Michael Myers sitting in the library, like with his mask on, looking up her name on Google. It's like, where is she? She's, he's calling information. It's like in a Verizon, setting up a phone plan. <laughs> yeah, she's like trying to set up something, and he, she hears like a knock, and then be like, this is the cable company, and it's just a man in a Michael Myers. <laughs> with like a mustache over the <laughs> <laughs> but um, but basically, uh, Corey finds himself essentially in a sewer because he has been kind of one too many run-ins with the with freaking the, marching band with the bullies. <laughs> on what planet is the, or marching, the marching band? Marching a band or the the bullies and watching way sorry. too much glee. Well, we were talking. You were like, "Well, he's got a letter jacket." And I was like, "You can letter in band if I, you want to." Yeah, like, Lexi, oh, I lettered in band my freshman cool. year. I was also on the drum line. Never was a threat to anybody. The let me tell you that. Kids. Yeah. Um, but but basically, um, while in the sewer, Corey runs into Michael Myers. Well, he gets dragged in by Michael Myers. Yeah, That's yes. true. Yes. And at this point, there is a change, which I think is kind of the overall theme of the movie: is that evil kind of is game recognizes game. Well, it's it's kind of like a transfer of evil type of thing. That Michael Myers is just a vessel for evil. Yeah, and it, like it's contagious and it spreads mm-hmm. to other people. Yeah, that, and, there's which, that literal metaphor going on in the movie too mm-hmm. with his hand and they're like, "Oh, it's getting infected." Mm-hmm. That the infection is kind of yeah. taking over him, which like I said, great concept yeah. I think to to move but when you when you make this movie 
and you make all of the the advertising like this is the final showdown of Lori, and then it basically it ends with them pushing a refrigerator on him and like stabbing him a bunch of times and then ultimately throwing him into a grinder. Yeah. Um, so and all of that's just in the last 20 minutes. So it, it is. is like an and afterthought. And that, yeah. that, that's the is thing. Is it even 20? It might even be like less, than, even that. less than that. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think that's what my biggest issue was, is if, if you wanted, it almost would have been better if, in my opinion, if Michael would have just died Mm-hmm. unceremoniously like even if it would have been like oh he looks into Corey's eyes and then dies. transfers the power <laughs> and then dies yeah and then that's the end of michael myers and it's like oh it was he it kind of goes back to the original halloween him being the shape mm-hmm. where it's like he's not a person he's just an entity and Corey could have been that but it's so re it's realized so late in this trilogy that it feels like it was shoot like Oh, we want to do something interesting, but we still need to make it a Laurie Strode, Michael Myers finale. Yeah, yeah. that and that's 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 the thing that kind of stuck with me. Are there any other, Lexi? Did you have any other thoughts about, like, like so Corey? Did you like that character? Did you think that I thought that they were moving towards developing his character really well, and then all of a sudden it was just like, why? Like, here's everything. And he's just going to kill everybody and try to kill Lori and take the daughter and or the granddaughter and go. And then they just like stopped worrying about any more character development. And probably because they were like, who cares if he's going to die anyway? Like, we <sighs> yeah, I was going to say, it, it what just, it is. I don't know. It just it's it just takes the wind out of your sails. Like, it's like if you're going to develop this character and then he's just dispatched by himself and then again by Michael Myers. Yeah. They I, like didn't do enough at the mm-hmm. beginning to make you like him enough to like keep rooting for him. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Like I feel like that's yeah. how they were trying to set it up and then it was just like you're going to go back to making it a classic Halloween movie where you're just going to root for Lori or the Strodes and then and then that's it and basically. Yeah. And and the thing is is I mean he was they were kind of attacking the bad people in the town, I guess it's like the bullies and the, the doctor and yeah. the, the DJ who's been kind of like, <laughs> I don't know, kind of annoying. Exploiting. Yeah. I don't know. That was you know. maybe the best kill. In oh, the movie, oh. Honestly. I'll, I'll say this. Violent. There are, there are some really good kills in this movie. <laughs> it's just not at the hands of Michael Myers. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I will say I was pretty disappointed that he killed that Corey, kills himself in the mm-hmm. in the movie though because it's basically to. the setup is that he's like if she can't be with me then no one yeah. can and then tries to kind of frame it as if Lori killed him but then right unexplic- as Allison like walks in yeah but then at the end she's like oh I knew it was or like I knew he was causing the issues like how did you find that out like what like what realization came that made you know that Corey was actually the one doing stuff and it's kind of like it's these things with this like story where where I don't know if it's I, I won't say it's undercooked but maybe they are trying to like stuff in too much where you have to make these like logical leaps like mm-hmm. so you're getting pulled out because you're like well how did she find that out I I just didn't enjoy sitting there being like watching the attack on the nurse who got the promotion mm-hmm. and the doctor being like how did like how did how did Corey and Michael like coordinate this? Did they like <laughs> ride together and like did they, did they like, lay out like a plan? 
I guess I just I don't want to like get pulled out of a movie <laughs> thinking about like what are now the logistics I'm, of them pulling off this tag team here. Now I'm picturing the scene where Allison is riding on the back of the motorcycle, but it's Michael yeah, Myers, it's Michael Myers like, <laughs> like, like like riding him on the back. Uh, yeah. So and I don't like just mean to be joking about it, but I'm seriously like seriously sitting there like kind of like uh, trying to think through this in my head. Like, what does this actually look like? Yeah. Um, lots of fun ideas, but just kind of executed in a way that I think could have been a little bit more effective. It, it would be f- more fun if this was the second film in the series, uh, maybe, in my opinion. Yeah. And it wasn't the end, because I assume this will be the end of at least David Gordon Green. Yeah, he's moving I, on, like I you mentioned. So. Series. He's, he's going so on to The Exorcist. It just it feels like just incomplete a little bit, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I will say, recommendation, if you like this concept but want to see it maybe fleshed out a little bit more, I would recommend Psycho 2. If anyone's uh, ever seen Psycho 2. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Where town kind of turns on someone who has had a tragic past and then seeing the town try to demonize someone. Um, so that's just my recommendation for that. Um, kind of parallels mm-hmm. between that. Um, any additional thoughts about yeah. Halloween Ends? I well, think we kind of covered think, most of it. I think... Yeah. Uh, last thing for me was wanting to go back to that article to talk about the alternate oh, yes. ending. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, I want to hear about that. Was that was written. <laughs> yeah. So I guess the alternate ending was that the last scene that you would see would be at Silver Shamrock Factory. Yes. And it would be spitting out the witch skeleton and jack-o'-lantern masks, and then it would start making the Michael Myers masks as well. So it would be... <laughs> Sort the original three from Halloween three season of the witch, mm-hmm. but then also and then also the Michael Myers masks, um, on the end of Michael Myers' death scene or in I, yeah, like postscript his death. yeah okay death yeah um, but then he said that he just thought it would be fan service for people who knew what Silver Shamrock is, and it's have, like, but isn't that what you would want? I know that's, that's fan service problem. I mean, it's not the whole problem, but it is a big problem a, here yeah. where it's like you're working within a kind of a hollowed franchise where, yeah, there are expectations. This is like the conclusion. So don't kick yourself for fan service here. I mm-hmm. mean, yeah. The, the thing is, is like how many non fans of the Halloween movies do you think are just going to watch this one I movie? I haven't watched the first 12 Halloween movies, but I'll see, Number see what this right. You're like, wow, well, this one? Yeah. This is the one. The 13th in the entire series and the third of the current series. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I want to do. And, like, it's Season of the Witch. Like, the the general Halloween crowd probably isn't a fan of Season of the Witch. It's more of the hardcore and horror that's just people. It. Like, it's gotten a reappraisal mm-hmm. and is much yeah. appreciated now, which is which is fine. I, yeah. I enjoy it. I mean, it's... And a lot of horror directors and writers reference that film as an inspiration yeah. for their kind of 80s. I know that um, Simon Barrett has said that was a big influence on The Guest, the Adam Wingard film, oh, okay. um, and stuff like that. So some of the the, the the set design and some of that type of stuff. But, but yeah. without even knowing that plot point of Halloween 3, you would still just assume like, oh, they're, it's like a town that's capitalizing yeah, on Yeah, you could take it a lot of different ways too if you didn't know yeah. that. So. Exactly, because yeah, you you'd be like, oh, they just happen to have a pumpkin and a, like all these like, type oh, of things. Oh, he still lives on because mm-hmm. people are gonna dress up like him for Halloween. Like if you had no knowledge of that plot point, mm-hmm. now I'm bummed. But, that that would have been a fun thing to I have know. on the yeah. end there. But oh well, missed opportunity. Um, any other 
points. Um, I mean, I'll give a shout out to Michael Simmons. He's the been the DP on all of these movies, and again, I think he he shoots Michael in a great way. Uh, mm-hmm. Just like you know, David Gordon Green being able to like frame these shots, he couldn't do it without Michael Simmons. Mm-hmm. And yeah. They, These films do look very they good. They do. You know, they're following in the footsteps of uh, Dean Cundey, who did the first two that yeah. just, you know, had a great look to them as well. So they uh, they certainly worked well together and did did good stuff here. And, you know, I did, I did like the concept of, like, Michael Myers getting older because, mm-hmm. again, yeah, the timeline. He's I old. Mean, he's mm-hmm. in his, like, mid to upper 60s. So, mm-hmm. like, seeing him not necessarily have his full step is interesting. There could yeah. be something more there. And yeah, like you mentioned earlier, Lexi, like if this wasn't the final one, if this was like the second or something where maybe Corey could have been developed a little bit more, had more of an arc. And I, I kind of hate myself for even like suggesting this because it feels like a studio knows like, well, what if like there was like some redemption there for him or something? But mm-hmm. again, you know, I kudos to David Gordon Green for sticking to it. Like, no, mm-hmm. like, you know, like uh, we want to see what happens like when evil you know, nature versus nurture, mm-hmm. and when a society, like, turns on one person and you see it, it's, yeah, it's it's going to maybe have this outcome and that's there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I liked the the whole Corey Cunningham subplot. Um, I do kind of wish that this film had just, you know, it's with all the time they spent on his character, it, like what you were saying, Jake, it would have been cool to just have him just be the killer and just get rid of Michael Myers mm-hmm. earlier. Um I mean, it would have taken real guts yeah. if, if they had done that, for sure. I mean, it's it's easy to do something like that in the last movie in the franchise because people have already paid their money. I mean, <laughs> yeah. if you put it in the second one, then you That's have true. to worry about people yeah. not wanting yeah. to see the third one. Um, it's not even a zig. I mean, you know, it's like, did they zig instead of zag here? It's, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's like a zog or something. <laughs> so, and um, I apologize. Yeah, I've been confusing the actor's last name with the character's last name yes it's Corey cunningham, cunningham. i've been saying campbell yeah because that's the actor's last name yes uh cc just like mm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh, literal yeah mm-hmm. alliteration so yeah um well that is halloween ends i think we've pretty much covered we covered most of it so. i would say um i don't think we've really discussed what our next episode is going to be we're going to get into kind of oscar season i feel that's like true. here coming mm-hmm. i know that um, the Fablemans comes yeah, out next Fablemans. month. I, I don't know. Weird, if... the Weird Al Yankovic movie comes oh, yeah. out. <laughs> um, the menu. The Brits. The Brits are oh. stealing all the American roles. I do yeah. want to see the menu, and I did see Don't Worry, Darling. I forgot to mention that, but that oh. was we a also good saw one. Don't Worry, yeah. Darling. Also, with the say, also with the I, when my wife and I were on our anniversary trip, it, a lot of the places we were stopping in, we'd love to go to old movie theaters. <laughs> and Don't Worry, Darling was showing a lot, but I was like, I'd like to see The Woman King. So. <laughs> That was also uh, showing Davis the... kicking butt. Nice. Would definitely recommend it. I know the history of the uh, uh, go, uh, the tribe. Mm-hmm. It's complicated, but mm-hmm. the movie is good in the vein of like being a gladiator, Braveheart type of nice type of action mm-hmm. pick. So, well, you'll just have to follow. Uh, maybe we'll say something on the Facebook page or something like that on what our next months. We'll have to discuss it. Um, but until then. We'll see you at the movies. This episode was recorded in the studios of KZUM 89.3 FM in Lincoln, Nebraska. You can find out more about KZUM and listen to more episodes of Cinema Roundtable by visiting kzum.org. Our theme music was composed by Joshua Spaulding. <laughs>